Join over 350,000 people just like you who are taking control of their wellness journey with Viome. When it comes to choosing the right food and supplements for you, don't guess, test. With Viome's health intelligence test, you get over 30 health insights based on your unique biology and your gut microbiome. You also receive personalized food recommendations and precision supplements formulated literally just for you. Use code GENIUS to get an extra $20 off a health intelligence test. Visit Viome.com to shop now. Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. I have uh, Dr. Nitu Bajika, and she's a senior consultant obstetrician and gynecologist in the United Kingdom. She has over 35 years of clinical experience in women's health, and her interests include uh, lifestyle medicine, PCOS, um, polycystic ovarian syndrome endometriosis, uh, period problems, menopause, pre-cancer, et cetera, you know, a whole group of, of female-associated problems. So, Nitu, thank you for coming. Thank you, Richard. Thank you so much for inviting me. If you would, tell me about your background and what got you interested in this area. Yeah, that's a really, you know, an area that I like to talk about because my initial training was like any other doctor. I trained in, I was born in India. I trained in some of the top medical institutions in India and completed my residency in OBGYN and then decided along with my husband to move to the UK just for a few years, but we're still here 30 years later. And I continued to train and finish my, all my training in in the UK as well. And I've trained to be laparoscopic surgeon, which is a keyhole surgeon operating on women that need, you know, complex procedures. I also did a robotic surgery for several years. And if you are familiar with the NHS system in the UK, I was a consultant on the NHS for about 22 years and loved it. I find OBGYN really thrilling, just as thrilling as it was when I first started 35 years ago. And that's because of this unique combination of medicine and surgery, as well as the psychological aspect of, you know, interactions. What I found over time was that while I was actually making my patients better, I was seeing about 4,000 patients a year. I found that I was not preventing conditions. I was seeing my patients after the problem had already arisen, whether it was gestational diabetes, that is diabetes during pregnancy, or whether it was womb cancer. These whole host of women's health conditions, PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome, and I was realizing that I was sort of reaching after the horse had bolted and there was more to my toolbox that I hadn't actually been aware of. The reason being that as doctors in medical school and during residency, and even as a senior doctors, we are never taught the importance of lifestyle, you know, all the pillars of lifestyle that I'll talk about maybe, which so, so important to help people reach their live their best life or have optimal health. So I was using the surgery, I was using medications, but I didn't realize that, you know, 
we could prevent and certainly reduce the amount of medications or surgery that somebody would need, especially with chronic health conditions, including chronic women's health conditions, if we applied lifestyle approaches. Well, I didn't retrain. I trained as well in lifestyle medicine and I got board certified in lifestyle medicine. Actually, I think I was the first UK gynecologist to do that. And that was back a few years ago. And I was really very happy to see the body of science and evidence that is there to help us use evidence-based lifestyle interventions to prevent chronic health conditions. And as I said, that also includes hormonal health and women's health. So that's where I am now. Okay, great. So you went in more of a functional direction, it sounds like. What, what uh, no, the, um... not functional medicine. Functional medicine is a completely different area. Lifestyle medicine actually walks side by side with Western medicine. So it uses all the evidence that is there and the patient is in the driving seat. And what basically happens is that you may need medication, you may need surgery, but what we're saying is that you can actually, there's enough evidence to show that you can prevent, manage, treat many, many chronic health conditions of the top 10 that kill patients, uh, we can actually manage those conditions by bringing in health or lifestyle approaches early on or as soon as it's diagnosed, at least. It's never too late. So never what's too the difference early. between functional and lifestyle? I think functional medicine goes into more uh, to the cellular level. It's lifestyle medicine focuses on the lifestyle pillars. So we talk about nutrition and sleep and stress and diet and alcohol and smoking and community. It's it's functional medicine can be part of it, which means that you may it may uh, happen that you know people who do functional medicine also practice lifestyle medicine. It may be that allopaths like me also practice lifestyle medicine, but it is not any form of alternative medicine. It's just based on the lifestyle pillars, while functional medicine tends to go more into a cellular level, looks at various deficiencies and things, which don't always have the scientific backup, as far as I know. Maybe I'm wrong, but as far as I know, lifestyle medicine deals with the application of lifestyle approaches, all the six pillars that we can talk about in a little while. So I find that my patients have benefited hugely over time. So even though I may have to operate on them or I may recommend certain medications, many of them may actually avoid those medications or need to reduce them quite dramatically. What are some of the top conditions that you work on? And what are some of the interventions you found that are maybe not traditional, but they work? Yeah. So I think we forget that doctors, when we first initially, you know, Western medicine has is evidence-based medicine. It depends upon, you know, trials and, and all facts. It needs to be backed by evidence. So what has happened is over time when lifestyle was also part of the advice, that seems to have got lost. So we now don't know how to actually talk about nutrition or lifestyle. So what I find is patients, so there's no women's health condition that doesn't benefit from lifestyle. So whether it is polycystic ovary syndrome, whether it's endometriosis, whether it's fibroids, these are all estrogen-fueled, hormone-fueled conditions that can actually really benefit from bringing certain changes in, whether it is, you know, bringing in the value of exercise, because we think that, you know, most of us are leading as healthy a lifestyle as possible, but we have the facts. We know that only about 60% of the American diet now and the UK diet consists of ultra-processed foods. We know from the Global Burden of Disease Study, which basically looked at 195 countries between 1990 and 2017, what they found was that 
the failure to include whole grains, fruits, vegetables, and legumes was responsible for you know preventing or causing 11 million deaths so it's really such a simple thing that we should be advising people to eat the right sort of foods to physically move all common sense stuff but just doesn't happen in today's life so that's what i do when i see a patient and i find that they are struggling with menopausal symptoms or they are having heavy periods or painful periods I will be doing all their lab tests. I will be doing their investigations. They may need surgery. They may need medication like the contraceptive pill or the hormone replacement therapy. But what they also need is advice and guidance, actual scientific-based guidance on lifestyle and how they can actually bring about changes. So that's what we've done. And I've just brought out a book, Living PCOS Free, because I found that I was seeing so many, uh, so much improvement in my patients over the last decade or so that I felt if I didn't apply, transmit that knowledge to the public who may not be able to see, who can't get to see me, I would be doing them a disservice. So which is why I'm so happy that the book has just been released. Discover how your gut microbiome is impacting your cellular health, immune health, and how you're aging from the inside out with Viome's Health Intelligence Test. Collect your samples, send them to the Viome Lab, and within two to three weeks, your health scores and food and supplement recommendations will be available to you right in your Viome app. Visit Viome.com and use code GENIUS to get an extra $20 off your health intelligence test. Okay, so what are some of the top conditions like PCOS? Um, yeah. You know, what, what have you done differently versus uh, other doctors? And, so know, the things so previously, yeah. So, so previously, even myself and actually currently, a lot of doctors will see patients with polycystic ovary syndrome and their heart will sink because they don't have many uh, ways of managing this condition. It's a, the most common endocrine disorder to affect women of reproductive age. That means between 15 and 50, the most common hormonal disorder, the most common endocrine disorder is polycystic ovary syndrome. So one in 10 women will get affected by it. And we think one in four in certain subgroups. So you have, you know, black women, uh, Asian, Southeast Asian women, Hispanic women, these uh, groups tend to, and those who carry excess weight or have subfertility, they actually have a higher risk of getting PCOS more than the one in 10. One in four women may actually have the condition. So what we what I try and do is instead of just giving the contraceptive pill, which they might need for acne and excess hair growth, two of the features of excess androgens, which is one of the hallmarks of polycystic ovary syndrome, we also try and explain to them that the root cause of PCOS is insulin resistance. So PCOS is very closely linked. It's, because it's an endocrine disorder, it's very closely linked to type 2 diabetes. And we have enough evidence to show that type 2 diabetes and insulin resistance work very well when you bring in lifestyle changes. So eating foods that will actually reduce your insulin resistance will help you to lower your androgen levels because insulin mimics insulin-like growth factor and increases androgen levels and androgen levels production from the ovaries so that these women are really struggling with symptoms like cystic acne, which is painful nodular acne on their chin, on their neck, on their back. Often uh, after, uh, you know, even in adulthood. So any acne that persists after the age of 25, you really should be thinking, what else is going on? Could this be a polycystic ovary syndrome? They, these women also have infertility uh, and it's the commonest cause. PCOS is the commonest cause of infertility. And that's because they don't release eggs regularly. They miss their periods. So we know that helping women to shed weight, which is sustainable. So you can lose weight in so many different ways. But when you have to lose weight, 
and also bring your insulin resistance down. You want to be focusing on, a, on foods that actually will help to you know, reduce the insulin levels in your body because insulin is not being utilized the way it, we want it to, to help the sugar or the glucose that is broken down by food into our body cells. And so choosing the right sort of foods, which include avoiding saturated fat, but also bringing in the fruits, the vegetables, the legumes, these help to sort of open up the insulin receptor key, allowing the glucose to go into the muscle cells. The insulin levels then tend to come down and your androgen levels, the period start going back to normal. So while previously people would come to see you uh, as a doctor, what happens is usually they'll get a prescription for just the contraceptive pill, or they may be sent off for fertility treatment when their time comes for getting pregnant or have drugs prescribed like metformin. We, what is important to do, because the international guidelines are very clear, what they suggest is that lifestyle changes and lifestyle modifications should be the first line. But that doesn't seem to be adhered to because there is no consensus and patients are left not knowing what kind of healthy lifestyle because everybody has a different opinion. So that's why it's so important to rely on the science and to see what the science says on how you can reduce insulin resistance, which is the key, probably the root cause in 70 to 80%, the main driver in women with PCOS. So that's just one aspect. So not just using the medications when they're needed, but using the right ways of exercise, diet, especially plant-based diets, so bringing in more whole plant foods into your diet helps to reduce the advanced glycation end products, helps to reduce insulin resistance. So that's one women's health condition. But similarly, there's no different diet for reducing dementia or for uh, breast cancer or for womb cancer or for heart disease. The diet and the lifestyle tends to be the same. So the same advice that I would be giving somebody with PCOS we also recommend for anybody else with any health condition or anybody who wants to live longer. We know that from the blue zones. We know that from you know, hundreds of observational studies that the, those people who include a lot of legumes and beans in their diet and fruits and vegetables and intact whole grains tend to live longer, they tend to live better. But sadly, this information is not widely available. It's not taught to us in medical school. So that's what I'm trying to do. I go into medical schools, I go into schools, I, I talk to the public, talk to people like you to try and get the word out so that people use this and the patient is then in the driving seat. It's not the doctor who decides. And the doctor just guides you as to whether you need additional medication and additional surgery, but also lifestyle goes at the hand in hand all the way through. Okay. So within diet and lifestyle changes, what are, I don't know, what are some of the particular recommendations that, uh, you know, make it more nuanced versus like just yeah. eat better. Exactly. You know, what kinds so of things, eat better leaves patients. Work? Yeah. Eat better just leaves patients very, very confused. The public very confused. So what we say is a simple meet the patient or meet the person where they're at, but the more whole plant foods you get onto your plate, the more color, whether it is the Cancer Society in America, whether it's the Canadian Food Guide uh, plate, whether it's the UK recommendations, all everybody is in uh, agreement that the more whole plant foods you bring onto your plate, the lower are your risks of chronic health conditions. And by that, I mean high blood pressure, diabetes, excess weight. 74% of our population now is carrying excess weight, either overweight or medically obese. And we know that that is actually almost as strong a risk factor for cancer as smoking is. So when you focus on foods, which are essentially whole plant foods, you tend to have high amounts of fiber. And fiber 
is one of the big reasons why you have you encourage healthy gut bacteria and that then sort of, sort of reduces your inflammation inflammation the chronic inflammation that is dogs all these health conditions high blood pressure heart disease all the cancers such as you know breast cancer bowel cancer ovarian cancer womb cancer prostate cancer we have enough evidence to show that those who eat more plant foods tend to have a lower risk they can't eliminate their risk because there's always a bit of genetics there's 5 10% of the genetics but genetics doesn't decide your destiny it's lifestyle that usually will control things so we really need to be focusing on bringing in legumes because we know that all long living societies eat legumes two to three times a day and by that we mean beans and peas and lentils and soya and we want people to have intact whole grains so brown rice and uh, quinoa and millet so you want to be shopping you know in the sort of store where you can actually get these items in bulk and hopefully quite cheap because we do know that a lot of people live in food deserts the food the fruit and vegetables are not subsidized so we want to be pushing government policy as well because we know that the harvard school of public health has very good um, uh, you know the eating plate suggesting that you want to be eating most of your nutrients should be coming from plants and really your meat fish eggs chicken and dairy should form a very small part and that is also important richard in context with what's happening in the rest of the world so we do know with climate change we do know uh, that we need to be reducing our um, meat consumption we need to be reducing our dairy consumption and the eat lancet study which looked i mean 30 scientists hundreds of scientists and then Uh, 30 scientists wrote the paper and basically uh, explained the importance that if we want to feed 10 billion people in the next 10 15 10 years we the average person especially in the western world needs to drastically reduce their amount of animal food consumption so we know that not only is the intake of high amounts of animal food detrimental to our health uh, whether it's um, the link between dairy and prostate cancer or whether it is heart disease and saturated fat that comes from animal foods and in my own speciality hormonal health is hugely affected the nurses health study showed that you know even having a small piece a small uh, amount of red meat significantly increased your inflammatory condition called endometriosis while if you ate citrus fruits and uh, leafy vegetables you reduced your risk so we know that the intake of soy uh, also helps it's got plant estrogens so it helps to not just build bone but it also helps to reduce cancer risk it helps to lower lipid profile so we want to encourage people not to necessarily go from 0 to 100 but what we want them to do is start thinking how can they add more plants to their daily diet so that they encourage the right gut microbiome and the gut bacteria and as a result reduce their inflammation reduce their insulin resistance shed the excess weight in a sustainable manner so they're not thinking about weight loss what they're thinking about is health goals i want to be active i want to uh, reduce my risk of cancer i want to play with my grandchildren i wa- want to reduce my acne i want to reduce my excess hair growth i want to get, have a baby these are better health goals because we know that all studies have shown when you're trying to lose weight you can lose weight by a number of unhealthy methods and we know that following animal food heavy a keto diet or a paleo diet uh, increases the risk of mortality as well as sudden death so we don't want to be really piling up plates with animal foods which are also is also not great for the planet so you want to be focusing on these foods and then 
usually what happens is like my patients, they find that there is so much benefit in how they're eating that they don't stop. They all continue going on. And there was a very nice study called the Broad Study in New Zealand, which showed that even two years after the study had finished, people didn't come off that diet. Otherwise, most studies show that once you lose that weight, almost everybody will put back that weight on in a year, in two years, and in five years time. So we want to lose weight sustainably so that we keep away these long-term issues of dementia, heart disease. We know that the more color you eat, berries, fruits, the green leafy vegetables, they're great for the heart. They open up the arteries. And for all the hormonal health conditions, whether it's period regulation, whether it's these estrogen-fueled conditions, and menopause as well, we do know that these, this way of eating, uh, along with, of course, you know, good sleep, seven to eight to nine hours of sleep, because that reduces cortisol levels, which worsens insulin resistance. We want, when you sleep better, you tend to stress less. When you stress less, you tend to eat the better foods. You tend to move more. You tend to stay away from alcohol because alcohol is a class one carcinogen. We know that like smoking, we, there's no safe limit for alcohol. And especially for menopausal women, even drinking a single glass of wine can actually increase their risk. And beyond three units, it increases their risk by about 12%. So, you know, there's so much evidence there. And what pains me is that this evidence is, patients have to find it out for themselves because we are not taught that in medical schools. We are not taught that as, that as doctors. And suddenly it is as if it's something new. And I don't blame doctors, you know, they don't have enough time. But what happens is if you're not taught in this manner, you end up eating and talking the same way that our patients did. We knew that smoking killed. We knew that tobacco was harmful. And it took us 50 years before we actually did something about it because we as doctors also smoked. So we want to change the narrative, both for our health professionals, as well as for our patients, rather than just leaving the patient to find out all the information through podcasts and influencers and things, because there's a lot of misinformation there. So you want it to be always backed by science and evidence. I hope I've sort of got that message across. Right. Sure. Very good. What's the best way for people to find out more about uh, your work and to find out about lifestyle medicine and to find a practitioner near them if they can't see you? Yes. So if they're in the US, then the American College of Lifestyle Medicine will, will be a good place where they can actually they often have a directory which will help them to find doctors who are working in the mainstream, but also have interest in lifestyle. And in the UK, we have the British Society of Lifestyle Medicine. We also have an organization called Plant-Based Health Professionals, which again goes out and tries to have lots of fact sheets with all the science, the latest information that comes out, you know, so that people can actually access it. I do a lot of seminars and our book has just come out. I have a very active website. It's www.neetubajekal.com. I have about 50 different women's health fact sheets, lifestyle advice and things like that so that, you know, Patients and, and the public can access it for free and don't have to pay or buy a book if they don't want to. They can read the information, go away, do their own uh, homework and think, does this make sense? Can I do it? Can I bring in some of these changes? That's what my aim is, is to try and empower people to take charge of their own health along with the help of their health professional. Well, very good. Well, need to. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate yes. it. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. Don't forget, before you go, use code GENIUS at Viome.com for an additional $20 off your health intelligence test and get started on your health journey with the right foods, supplements, and probiotics and prebiotics for your unique biology. Get a deeper look within with Viome's health intelligence test. Viome, 
you decoded. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.